the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. That's that good head rocking music right there. You <laughs> Welcome to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer, on Facebook Live for this first hour. I'm your host, John Anthony. Charles Love is off today. So I'm very excited to be joined by my my buddy, my pal, my my brother. My buddy, my pal. <laughs> my friend, former mayor of Downers Grove, DG, and state representative, Ron Sandak. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. It's great to see your face right across from me. With all the hair on my face. Um, there's some gray in that distinguished beard. Oh, I like it. That's great. I mean, look, if you look throughout, there's gray everywhere, man. That's called stress and six kids, you know? Six kids. <laughs> so, Brian, what's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah you, you can't see all of your gray because I'm sure you have a lot of it. I would have a lot of gray if I had any hair left. I'm <laughs> certain of it. Hey, why, why, right now, why don't you go on to the Facebook live stream right now at Black and Right. Uh, watch the show. Um, we're going to have a jam-packed show today. We're going to be talking about a lot about what's happening in Illinois, the, the, the political aspect, the corruption. Uh, when you look at what's happening, how do we fix Illinois? We're not just going to talk about all of the problems with Illinois. We want to talk about how do we fix where we're headed, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, when you look at it, we've got a lot of problems, wouldn't you say? We have a lot of problems. We've had a lot of problems for a while. And what's happened is, uh, collectively, the state of Illinois has put its collective head into the collective sand and hoped for sunny, brighter, better days. And guess what? Nothing's changed. It's only <laughs> gotten worse. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the financial yeah. state of the state, the crazy corruption allegations neither of which frankly are new and yeah we should talk solutions because it's just not about debbie downer day it's about trying to find some optimism in a path because i really believe ron you and i we've had this discussion when we were in the general assembly together we've had this discussion outside of the general assembly illinois is worth saving she's worth saving well god yeah uh it otherwise what are we doing right what's anyone doing exactly so there's got to be a point and you know what John, what I think is missing is exactly when this revelation is going to occur. <laughs> when, when are we going to figure stuff out? Each time I think, okay, rock bottom, only one way to go. We keep finding new depths. Yeah. So I'm hoping we're about to turn a corner. Yeah. Hoping. Well, that's a big hope. Yeah. But, you know, but, but it's a hope that I'm willing to, to, to embrace and, and actually figure out ways to make an Illinois work again. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really excited about talking to her. I don't know if you know Sheila Ryan, Weinberg with Truth sure. in County. Sure. Uh, she's going to be joining us today. Yeah. Uh, Miss uh, Miss Chicago Tribune herself, uh, she'll be joining us today. I'm going to keep that a little secret. Okay. I'm sure. Well, I know who it is. I know who you, I know yeah. you know I know who, who it is. is. 
Um, but I, I really wanted to tackle because, I mean, you're not really seeing a lot of pushback from our side of the aisle when it comes to what's happening down in Springfield, what's happening in Chicago, what's happening just throughout the state. So I got a theory on that. Go ahead. Part of the theory is we're still experiencing uh, the Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, I, look, I, go back a few years, you'll remember, there's still a pervasive feeling that we don't want to offend anyone, oh. that if we can maybe make a compromise or two on a couple of issues, we can get them to start listening and going the other way with some policy. It doesn't work. Yeah. And unfortunately, some of our friends uh, down in Springfield particularly have taken on some of the attributes of their captor. Yeah. And that's why there's Ouch. this continued status of indifference status of negligence and frankly legislative malpractice ouch ooh that's from the pulpit himself <laughs> now we're just getting warmed up <laughs> is we just are we just getting warmed up just getting so warmed I, up i'm really excited about what's to come but you know hey look the number is 312-642-5600 312-642-5600 uh, do you believe what ron, ron sandek just said if you're on facebook live go ahead and and uh Challenge a comment me. or sure. uh call in with um challenging ron about uh, what he just said, that this is legislative mal- what? Practice. malpractice. You know what? You were always good with words. I remember Christian Mitchell used to always, every time you would use some big word, uh-oh, there's Ron with the big words. <laughs> oh, he uses some pretty big words himself. He's a smart young man, a uh, very talented young man. I think he's on the wrong side of a lot of issues, but I, I have no doubt about his intelligence yes. and his earnestness. One of he's the, the real guys. deal. He's oh, one yeah. of the smartest guys down in Springfield. Oh, yeah. But, you know... Right, you know, you. I really haven't seen you talk much about the impeachment. I want to get your take on on what's you sure. know, before we get into what's sure. going on in Illinois. Sure, what's your take with with this whole process and what's happening? So, okay, so I don't believe it's impeachment. I believe it's impeachment light. Okay, I think it's all politics and no substance. I think this is all a precursor to an election. I think in their hearts. Of hearts, the Democrats know the only way they're going to get Trump out of the presidency is to beat him electorally. I still think they're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of my friends, thoughtful friends on the left, are pulling their hair out, or if they're like me, banging their head because they think the process is just just, there's no substance there. This is not even if it were true, it's not an impeachable offense. It may be um, inartful. It may be lack of diplomatic grace. It may be an act of attempted bullyism, but let's be clear. Um, in almost every instance of foreign policy, there is an element of quid pro quo. Yes. The United States works in its interests. We don't do things charitably. We do things because it's in our interests when it comes in foreign poli- uh, policy. So, again, did I think Trump? Trump's inelegant. Let's be clear. He is the essence of inelegance. Yes. He is the essence of sometimes... You're like, what? What did you just say? Come on, man. But what they're doing, the Democrats mm-hmm. in charge of the uh, of Congress and the House of Representatives is a show trial. Yes. It's a show trial. And it's silly. And I think it's going to blow up in their faces. I mean, you're, you're an attorney. I mean, imagine if this was happened to somebody that was one of your clients and you oh. represented. I mean, what, we'd go crazy. What would you do? I mean, when you look at what Rudy Giuliani, you know, they're saying, oh, Rudy is, 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 is corrupt. He's going over to Ukraine. But isn't that his client? Is as an attorney, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Go over there to figure out the facts of the case. So, well, yeah. So, what what I find fascinating is 
remember, Rudy is the personal attorney of the president. Correct. So he, there's no travel ban on him. There's no, I mean, look, what I find absolutely amazing is the secret depositions that have gone on. So all this evidence that's supposedly, supposedly adduced has been done in a little bit of a star chamber. Um, now they're going to have a public process. Well, thanks for that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's called due process, and that's really showing everyone the cards. I think there's a lot of nothing here, and I think it's going to equate to a run-up on the election that this is all a political exercise and trying to badmouth and embarrass yeah. and hurt the president electorally, and then we're going to go on. To me, Trump is the master at trolling everybody. Oh. No one's learned that lesson yet. They haven't. They haven't learned that lesson yet, and I don't think they know he's going to have the last word on this. Whether it really turns any hearts and minds, I tend to doubt. I don't think there's a lot of fence-sitters with Donald Trump. Yeah. I don't. No. Um, well, and, you know, as you know, I'm not one of them. <laughs> but, but I don't think there are, even yeah. on the other side, yeah. right? So right. This, is a, this is much ado about nothing. I, I, would, I would totally agree with you. And when you when you it's, it's, it's amazing that how now they're going to they want to try to say now, oh, due process. Well, as, a, as an officer of the law, I can't go and investigate something the way they're doing it and then come back and say, oh, wait, 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 wait. I need now to give you, now I need to give due you your process due process meter because I personally I think everything that's going to happen. This this is my this is John Anthony making a prediction. I think what's going to happen um, when Durham is done with his investigation you're going to have what's called, you know, the, the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. Oh, yeah. I have a feeling, there's an inkling on the inside of me that that's what's going to happen. And you're going to, start, you're going to see almost everybody that's been involved in this are going to walk away scot-free now because of the fruit of the poisonous tree. You know what's interesting? That's a decent theory. I have another theory. Go ahead. My theory is this process has been set up by Democrats to take Joe Biden down. Oh, Yes. Take him down. It's plainly. So now you have Michael Bloomberg, who I do not will be, I do not believe will be a long-term player, but you ready for my prediction? Uh, Go ahead. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Hillary Rodham Clinton jumps back in. Oh, not Hillary. Not her again. You really think she's coming? I really think she's coming. You think she would, I mean. (sighs) Think about it. Bloomberg coming in now, late, right? He's his own money. He doesn't need financial support. You know, he's one of the richest guys on the planet. He can jump in immediately. He's ostensibly jumping in because he doesn't think Biden's Biden's uh, moderate enough. Uh-huh. Right. So he's going to play in that game and that he thinks he can beat Trump. You know, and Trump's already done the little Michael thing and little Mikey's coming. Maybe it'll be me and little Mikey. <laughs> he's got a nickname. But all that does is reduce the field now and make it easier for Clinton to jump in. You heard it here from Ron Sandek. There you go. Coming up next, we talk to Naperville Township Assessor Warren Dixon III. Look forward to talking to him. Okay. Got you, baby. <laughs> but I, I really, I really appreciate that that assessment. And I mean, if Hillary gets in there, I, I would that would that would just be mind blowing. I mean, because she has to get delegates, she has to get all oh, type can, all these. They, they can organize. Remember, don't worry about that. That's they'll, they'll set the table. The Democratic National Committee will assist her yet again if she jumps in. Wait, you already think they already have the signatures and everything? <laughs> they might. <laughs> well, she's out of New Hampshire now because, I mean, I mean she, okay. can't, she can't put her name on the ballot That's in New okay. Hampshire. Oh, Ronnie, you, you, you're killing me, Smalls, with this one. <laughs> I mean, but, but that's, I mean, that's the handwriting on the wall. That's what people, a lot of, you hear a lot of certain people in certain corners saying that right now. 
I think there's reason. Now, you know, the, the gig, if she wants to jump in, she's going to have people starting to drop that all over the place. And she has. Look for it and look for it to accelerate and start to really ramp up. If those, you know, things start happening, tea leaves become truth tellers. I thought it was more of her and her daughter trying to sell a book. Well, it's but, always about that with the Clintons. <laughs> it's always about the money with the Clintons, right? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, if, if that happened, I, I personally think they already have a candidate, and, and, they're, and they're overlooking a Tulsi Gabbard. I, I, I really They'll never think, let that happen. But, she, but she's somebody, when you look she, at her, she could, be, she could fit that moderate mold, but her positions are not moderate at all. She's a progressive. Yeah. Let's be clear. However, she is taking on some of the woke establishment, some of the crazy socialism, some of the left of left progressivism. I call it the cult of progressivity. They're so far out there. They can't win with that type of leadership. And she's, to her credit, taking them on. Yeah. Well, you, you, if, you, if you saw, uh, I, I saw a friend of mine, he posted, he, he doesn't even call them progressives anymore. He says, they're the party of the regressives. <laughs> <laughs> because there's nothing, pro, there's nothing moving forward or, 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 or forward thinking about them. They're all living back at a time when, when you look at how with the rebirth of socialism and all the isms now, except capitalism, when you look at all the birth of the, of the isms now, they want to go back to a time when, you know, the Stalins and the, the Hitlers and, I mean, come on, Ron, think about that. Think, wow. think about what that'll do to our, 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 our country. So I worry about the youth of our country right now because they seem to be very interested in um, socialism. And I love that it's democratic socialism. That's a bad word, democratic socialism, because to me, um, all that really means is new wave socialism, acceptable socialism to the, you know, the Elizabeth Warrens to the Bernie Sanders and their ilk. And that's really the giveaway crew, right? Yeah. Medicaid, Medicare for all free college, college education for all. All this stuff doesn't cost anything, right? Except it does. And it costs someone else, right? It's, it, you know, it's my program. You pay for it. Yeah. That kind of nonsense. Um, I think this is, the, I think the pendulum is going to swing back right now. The Democrats think they got to play in the progressive field. I think it's a mess. And I don't think they can win a national election in the progressive arena. What well, you you look at these past elections that just happened? Uh, what well, a couple of days ago, right? You look at what happened in Kentucky. You look at it, even in Virginia. A lot of these people didn't run on that progressive ticket. They ran center, center left, center right. Sure, that's how they won. So I I totally agree with you when it comes to trying to think that the party overall is going to elect somebody like Elizabeth Warren. I hope they do. Well, I think I'm Trump, sorry. I think that guarantees Trump's reelection. It definitely does. Yeah, I it, think it reelects. It's his reelection ticket, and maybe into a really big electoral number. What's fascinating to me, John, is I keep seeing Democratic polls that talk about national polls as if that means anything. I think people yeah. forget you got to win states. Yeah. There's 50 elections, man. You got to win states because that's how you get the presidency. Um, I, I thought, think they forgot about the Electoral College. Dude, I mean, I think they forgot to watch the Hamilton play again, right? <laughs> I haven't seen that, Rob. What's, what's, it's really good. Really? Oh, it's outstanding. It's so the history's not though. great. It is. It's ridiculously expensive. But the production, the music, the choreography, it's, it's fantastic entertainment. Iffy history, fantastic entertainment. A little soft on the facts, basically what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, you've got to make them fun for the audience, right? Right. But I, I heard the, the music and, and everything is, is great. Outstanding. Oh, man. I, I, I got to take the wife to go see it. Well, hurry I, up. I well, think it's... I got to save up my pennies first. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, six kids, man. I know, you know, I know. That, that's, that's a lot of money. It is. But, you know, 
So, I mean, I'm looking at Joe. Look, look, look who's on the screen right now. Joe Biden, the Democratic presidential town hall. Did you see him? On What's the, with that eye, by the way? What's going on with that? I don't know. Something's off. I don't know. Did you see him walk into the different direction? He was basically talking to the wall. Yeah. Ron. Well, that's why the impeachment thing, right? We got to take Joe down. That I mean, I, I look, I, I know it's a little conspiratorial. Yeah. And I'm really not a conspiracy uh, fa- you know, fan or yeah. whatever. I, to me, he is a problem for the Democrats. He really is. And so they're... You know, let's let's aim our gun at Trump, but take Joe and his son down right in the way, too. But I mean, when you look at, though, you look at. So after Biden, you have Warren, you have who else? Well, I actually Warren, I think, is ahead right now. But Warren, Biden, um, Sanders, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Did Buttigieg? I, say that right? I don't know. I, 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 wrong. Wrong. Check? wrong. <laughs> Fake news. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Are you not be entertained? <laughs> Who did you judge? Who did you judge? But, but I, I don't think Pete. he's going anywhere. I think the black vote won't vote for him. They don't like him. Yeah, the black vote. I mean, because what he's done in Indiana. Not so much. Yeah. Mm. Not so much. Yeah, nah, he's not ready. He's not, I don't think he's ready for primetime right now. I mean, he's running a great campaign, and he may come out of Iowa yeah. one or two. But, you know, I don't know how that plays. South Carolina? Other, right, well, not well in South Carolina. Uh, to me, he certainly has some interesting uh, theories. He's articulate. And I think he will be ready for primetime sometime. But right now, he's just Mayor Pete to me. And I don't think he's, you know, in the top three. And, and after that, it just drops completely off. <laughs> yeah, it's single digits. My favorite is Senator Harris, who oh. has all the money in the world and just cannot get any traction. Yeah, and now it's, 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 it's remember, it's now she's a victim. Something's happened. It's, it's because somebody else, the reason why she nah, can't She's win. always a victim. Right. Even when she was a prosecutor. Okay, figure that one out. She was a law and order prosecutor yeah. who now has to kind of reshape some of her policies yes. rather than stand and defend them at the time. Because she's trying to be all things to all people, which generally means you don't make anyone happy, which is why she's 3 to 4%. That's right. And again, all the resources just can't get traction. <laughs> hey, Sherry, Sherry Enos, I hope I'm saying that right. She says, there's no way Hillary will win. They didn't want her at last election. They certainly won't want her now. What would be the strategy behind getting, getting her in? Well, you I mean, look, I don't think she wins either. I think if last election taught us nothing more than... People really don't like her, and many voted against her or sat out. Funny story. A Democratic friend of ours who was working up in Michigan near the end, when they they started to realize they could lose the state, were knocking on doors that they knew voted for Barack Obama. Not once, but twice. And they were getting told at the doorstep, yeah, I'm with Trump. Think about that. Whoa. Think about that. These are Democratic, hardworking Good political workers. They know what they're doing. They know how to approach. They weren't wasting their times mm-hmm. at you know time at different doors. They were hitting doors that voted for Barack Obama twice. I think you're going to st- start seeing a lot of that even more now. Well, um, all I can tell you is, you know, my theory about Clinton getting in is in the Democratic process, Democratic primary process. I do not believe she's capable of winning again. I think she'll be okay. a three-time loser. Well, that that sounds good for me because sure. I mean, but but Ron, when you look at, at when you look at the pl- policy platforms, a lot of these people that are running, I mean, what sane person, what what sane person would want to vote for somebody? Elizabeth Warren, what was it, fifty two trillion dollar health healthcare yeah. bill? Right. How's that going to get paid? Who's going to pay that? Well, so this you know the game, right? Poli sci one hundred and one. 
you win your primary. So in the Democratic primary, you go as far left to left as you can get, win the primary, and then you got to fight to somehow salvage your, you know, electoral reputation yeah. and show that you can, you know, uh, appeal to moderates, yes. pragmatists, people in the middle, people yes. unassociated with either party. I don't know how she's going to be able to tack to the center because she is so far off the grid left. I, I, I don't, so the, to your question, I have no answer other than it will be a stretch to watch it. And if we are watching it, it means she's the nominee. And if she's the nominee, I say Trump's reelected. So you, you look at a lot of their policy platforms and then you turn to a state like Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And you say to yourself. I mean, when you look at every every single taxing question that was on the ballot throughout this last electoral process that just happened a couple of days ago, every last one of them failed. Texas, right. Texas adding, a, was it a state sales tax? Yep. Failed. Virginia even had something. Failed. It's Pennsylvania funny. had something. Failed. Yeah. You know what's interesting? That doesn't surprise me. So policies and who pays for them sometimes do not align, Right. Some folks love to have policies of big spending government, but they don't want to pay for it. It's always tax that guy, tax that woman, tax anything yeah. but me. So that's when priorities really start to, you know, you know, <laughs> when the rubber meets the road, are you willing not only to back that policy, to, but rather pay for it? And I don't know, here in Illinois particularly, I can't speak to Kentucky or, or Virginia, but I can tell you in Illinois, uh, we're taxed. We're taxed to the max. We're taxed on almost everything. And I, I feel for Mayor Lori Lightfoot a little yeah. bit because she inherited a position that she knew was going to be rough, but I don't think she knew it was going to be as rough as it really is. Yes. And she's looking at new, now, at new and novel ways to tax Chicagoans even more. And I know Warren's coming on, and Warren will make a good yeah. argument about the property tax. We're still he trying be- to get in contact with right. him. Oh, okay, Warren. <laughs> um, but what's funny is... It, and there's an argument that Chicago has been historically uh, left alone on property taxes compared to the Collar counties, compared to central and southern Illinois. However, they're catching up, and they're catching up in, you know, in different directions with different taxes. You know? But is it happening in the areas where the money is? Because that's Warren's point, correct? The whole modernization of the valuation system. Because you look at downtown Chicago, you see cranes, you see growth, you see beautiful people walking all over, shopping, you know, engaging in commerce, et cetera. And you get to the neighborhoods, not so much. Certain neighborhoods. Some neighborhoods. And there's a couple that are fine, too. But if if we're going to make a macro statement, Chicago's neighborhoods are left out of this equation on the whole. Yes, they are. And Chicagoans, unless you're part of the beautiful crew in downtown, are largely left out of some of the good stuff going on. And they're paying. And now they want to pay, you know, even more. And I know they think... Gambling and weed are going to make everything right. I question the propriety of that proposition. I think those are desperate measures for desperate times. So when you when you when you look at Ron, how many taxing bodies do we have as a state? Uh, almost seven thousand. The next closest is how many? I think forty two or forty three hundred. What state is that? I think it's Pennsylvania, but it could oh, be it's Texas. Pennsylvania, Texas. Yeah. I thought it was Texas. Yeah. Is that part of our problem? Oh God, yeah. I mean, I, what are the steps to, 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 to alleviate? Well, because the people that benefit from all these layers of government are the ones that wrote the book on it. So to unwind it is harder than it was to create it. I mean, John, I tell people who look at me funny sometimes about this. I go, if you were starting a state, would you put 7000 <laughs> different units of government in place? Taxing bodies. I mean, look, I live in DuPage. The last tax bill, I used to count the lines. 
there was like 26 different lines in my tax bill. Mm. Now, when I was mayor of Downers, and I know the current mayor, a great guy, actually, all the mayors before and after me will all say the same thing. You get stopped at, you know, Jewel or the library, and they're like, why is my tax bill so high? And yeah. you kind of say, well, it's about 9% yeah. is the village. Yeah. We got 24 other taxing bodies taking from you, including especially the schools. They're the big property tax portions. They're like 62%, 65%. Anyway, we can talk about this, John, but we have to unwind that and start getting rid of duplicate, obsolete units of government or we're done and there's no way it's going to get fixed. That's just one of the solutions Mm -hmm. we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of useless, duplicative, obsolete government. Charles Love says, sup. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you're feeling all right. He just said simply, sup. So I said, that's cool. Sup, Charles Love. Are you not entertained? <laughs> I don't. I, I think he is entertained. That's why he joined in and, 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 and from afar, Ruby. looking at us, rooting for us, and all that. But um, I, I hope to get into into more of this discussion, Ron, because I really believe. Again, I, I just can't say not not say it enough. Illinois is worth fighting. Amen. For you know, and uh, coming up after the break, we, we're going to continue to talk about Illinois, the plight of Illinois. Um, I'm really looking forward to Miss Tribune, who will be joining us. I won't say her name unless Ron wants to give it away. I I, I, I'm looking forward to talking to her. She's very insightful. Hey, we'll be right back. We're on Facebook Live. You're watching Black and Right with Ron Sandek and John Anthony. This is Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. All right. I like that music, man. Different kind of segment hey, groove. <laughs> Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560. We're on Facebook Live. If you're just joining us, I got my good friend and buddy and old pal, Ron Sandek, here in the studio. Woohoo! What up, Ron Woo-hoo. Sandek? So, Ron, where can the people follow you? Do you have Facebook, Twitter, anything Yeah, like I that? do all that stuff. I got Facebook. I got Twitter. Um, I do a couple blogs, and I got a fledgling podcast. Oh. Nine platforms. Is that uh, the pulpit? That's the pulpit um, where we talk, uh, we, we peak interests, we test tempers, and occasionally apologize for offending or getting something wrong. But it, it's my buddy Bob Marks and I, and we, uh, we mo- it's mostly Illinois-centric. Uh-huh. We dabble in a little city stuff. We dabble in some national stuff, but it's really focused on um, identifying issues and, like you and I were talking mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. actually offering solutions. Solutions that, John, have been out there in some instances for years that have been cast aside or blatantly ignored. I keep waiting for the time when the light bulb goes on and the folks in charge either get run over <laughs> with a political, they are. <laughs> political problem or they get run over with a sensible idea whose time has come and they want to make it theirs. You know, and there's no... You know, ownership issue and pride and ownership. Right. We, we got to start doing some of these solutions that are out there. Some of the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Particularly. I'm so glad you said city and solutions. Yeah. Because I, I recall a bill that uh, a particular state representative filed and it, it dealt with municipal bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was a, I was a chief sponsor on that bill. You on were. Virginia Ives. Yes. Um, talk to the people, because when you look at what's happening in Chicago, if Chicago goes belly up, what does that mean for the rest of the state? And how would municipal municipal bankruptcy help a city like Chicago or any other city that's All falling? Right. So it's a great question. And you were uh, a guy that tried to move it. Jeannie, after I was gone, brought mm-hmm. the bill. Um, I got two subject matter hearings on it back in 15. 
And I thought there was some acceptance of the principle. So here's what it is. This is a 101 in municipal bankruptcy. Chapter 9, which is different than 7 and 11. 7 is for people if they have to discharge their debts. 11, generally for corporations and companies that are trying to basically reorganize and stay afloat. 9 is in the bankruptcy code, federal law, for municipalities. But here's the hitch, John. It requires that the state enable its municipalities and empower them to avail themselves of nine. So it requires the state to say, and here's the, the, the bill could be this, the law could be this simple. Municipalities in Illinois can file chapter nine. How's that for a deep bill, right? One sentence or some variation of that. If the state of Illinois did that, its municipalities then would be empowered to frankly take control of their financial history better. I think this shows up for Chicago, East St. Louis, Harrisburg, Cairo, Waukegan, the southern, you know, the Southlands, yes, um, the western suburbs, every facet of Illinois. Because what it does is it's there's a, you know, uh, an arrow in the quiver of mm-hmm. municipalities that can be used if bondholders become unreasonable, if their labor organizations won't negotiate, or if the debt just becomes so. Difficult, yes. compounding, crushing, they get a reprieve mm. because you, you file, everything turns off and stops. Now, you're not saying that they're not, they're not going to pay their bills. It's just a reshuffling, a, a, a reshuffling so of the deck. there's two components, correct? Um, chapter 9 is an adjustment chapter. They adjust their debts. So we're not talking about a going out of business sale, and we're not talking about throwing the keys to the creditors and making, you know, plain field, you know, the... Uh, corporate town USA because it was thrown over to to some creditors. No, it permits a negotiation with a judge who can, you know, say, okay, here's what I'm picking. But what what it could do, John, because bankruptcy permits and, and if you look at Detroit as an example, which is a healthier city now yes. than it was ten years ago. Yes. You can negotiate with your labor organizations now because they don't have all the hand. They don't have all the power and they realize you can in a bankruptcy setting reject contracts that are ongoing. So if you're in the middle of a contract with your labor organizations, the debtor says no more, and you start back at ground zero. That is a legitimate leveraging component. Now, when when that bill, when I signed on to the bill, I got a lot of pushback. As you know, I'm I'm, I'm a pro-union Republican. I got a ton of pushback from the bill, but I I still thought it was the right thing to do. And you, you talked about Detroit. Remember when we when we we all I think you voted for the did you vote for that pension bill? I did. SB okay. one. Yeah, SB I one. did. Do you remember when the day after that or the, the day before or the day of that bill that was passed, Detroit filed bankruptcy? Yes. And when you look at it, it totally changed to your point. It totally changed the, the financial future for Detroit. Look at them now. Oh, yeah. They're calling for our business, Illinois business. John, their credit rating is better than Chicago's. OK, <sighs> they're a better credit risk than Chicago. They've gotten rid of kind of crushing debt. They've reset some of their obligations. Yes, their pensioners took a haircut. 2%, by the way, all right, on the compounding component of their pensions, which is, you know, an imputed rate of return. So in the overall scope of things, that was a negotiated deal that made sense. Mm -hmm. And it was done because there was a tribunal or a process, the bankruptcy and a court and a singular venue for getting things done, which, look, Chicago, if, if, if we don't get bankruptcy protection in Illinois, 
That doesn't mean towns can't be bankrupt. Mm -hmm. They'll just be insolvent. Let me give you two examples. East St. Louis just had the intercept undertaken on them. The intercept is this law that was passed in 2010 that allows pension boards to apply to the comptroller to get the city or municipality's money on their return, basically, the local distributive share from income taxes paid and diverted to them. Wow. So they did that, both the police and fire pensions. It was done in Harvey. It was done in North Chicago. It's going to be done by other towns struggling when they don't make their full pension payment. They'll divert money. So eventually, to a pro-union Republican like yourself, here's the choices. Towns are going to say, I'm going to pay my retired public safety or I'm going to pay my current public safety. Right. It cannot be both. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have friends who were on the Kankakee police force when they when Kankakee went to slashing uh, the police officers. I believe Kankakee County started slashing county officers. They're doing it in Peoria. They're doing, yeah. I mean, it, you're going to start seeing it, I believe, uh, throughout this entire state if we don't get our financial situation in order. you know, And a path to get it in order Correct. first. The funny part, John, is there's no path Oof. other than just keep taxing. And the problem is you're taxing the same people, and they, that dollar only goes so far. You can't tax the same dollar two, three, seven times. And you know what? That's a perfect segue. Good. I, I told you that I, was ta- I had a friend who just moved to Tennessee. And when I, I, I went to his, um, his going away party. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, I hope you're sober, Joe. <laughs> I hadn't yes, seen him. Yes, I am. <laughs> I hadn't seen him in a while. And, and I said, Joe, I said, Joe, why, why would somebody like me want to continue to stay in Illinois? He goes, you don't. <laughs> uh, Joe Cordick, we got Joe Cordick on the line. Hey, Joe, thanks for joining Black and Right. You're on AM 560, The Answer. You are very welcome, Chad. How you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. So how's the Southern um, Cordick camp going down there? Oh, it's going pretty good. You know, uh, weather's nice. It's actually like 55 right now, and sitting out back having a little fire. <laughs> I thought you were going to say having a, a good cold one. <laughs> hey, Joe, I got, well, um, I got Ron Sandek. Like yeah, I got <laughs> Ron Sandek, former, I know you know Ron Sandek, former state representative. Um, talk yes. to him about what you told me. You told me, John, I'm saving this amount of much money because of all of the taxes that I'm paying here in Illinois that I don't have to pay in Tennessee. Talk to, to Ron, talk to the listeners, talk to the people, some, the person right now who's driving in their car, who's contemplating leaving the state of Illinois for another state like Tennessee. Oh, I'm telling you, just to get away from the tax burden is unbelievable. I sit and I'm trying to figure out why Illinois is so high when I'm down here in Tennessee. I get an eight-year driver's license, real ID for twenty-eight dollars. Wow, that—that's one thing that it absolutely blew my mind. An eight-year license. My taxes in Plainfield were just below fifty-five hundred a year. Down here, I have an acre and a half. I have a thirteen hundred square foot house, and I pay five hundred and seven dollars. <laughs> So, That's huge. Joe, Joe this is Ron Sandek. no state income tax. I was yeah. just, <laughs> just going to say, Joe, it's Ron Sandek. There's no state income tax in Tennessee. No, there is not. And that's how I'm sitting. I'm just amazed at the way that Illinois will nickel and dime you continuously. And the money, I, I just do not see Illinois getting out of the hole unless they decide to declare bankruptcy. 
But that's never going to happen because the public sector unions won't allow that to happen because all the politicians, Republicans and Democrats, are in their pocket. They keep talking about how a pension is a promise, and I, I agree, but when nobody's left to pay that promise out, what are you going to do? Exactly. And so here's, here's a follow-up question in that regard. Um, I read somewhere that the public sector pensions in the state of Tennessee were like 97 or 98% funded, which stands in that is correct. stark contrast to Illinois. So you're in a state, Joe, that is growing, has economic growth, population growth, low taxes, and is well run. Basically, that right? is correct. You have you have fiscally conservative Democrats and Republicans, which is something that you know I am not used to coming from Illinois. Charles Love isn't used to those. They, he doesn't they, believe those exist. Conservative, conservative Democrats. Know, yeah, they used to. At least in Illinois, they used to. Yeah, they used to, but they don't anymore. And it's it's all the politicians' fault. Everybody keeps saying it's a dunce, it's a dunce. The Republicans are sitting waiting for the scraps to come off of Madigan's table. Ouch! And well. as long as long as that continues to happen in Illinois, I don't see any way that they're going to turn things around. If you just join us, you're listening to Joe Cordick, who's part of the Illinois Exodus. Well, oh, I'm going to tell you, John, at moving to, te- move to Tennessee every day, every day, I meet somebody else who moved down from, te- from Illinois. So, Joe, I was it ju- is unbelievable. Joe, I was just in Tennessee on vacation not too long ago, and I ran into tons of people who were thrilled to have Illinoisans move there, but they did have one caveat, and that caveat was, don't bring your politics with you. You're welcome here. Just right. don't bring your big spending ways down here. That is correct. They they all say the same thing, too. They're like, hey, welcome to Tennessee, but don't bring your taxes with you. <laughs> so, and John- I would not understand why people would move down here knowing how bad Illinois is or other states in the nation. I met people from New Jersey, California, you know, all your nice blue states with <laughs> the high taxes. And they sat and they got away from them. But why would anybody who wanted to get away from that come here and then vote for the same policies and the same spending that ruined the state that they left. Joe, that is so correct. Joe, uh, tell us, what are you paying in taxes and what were you paying in taxes when you were here? Well, we were 5500 in property. Now I'm at $507. I had to renew my driver's license because we didn't move down here until uh, middle of October. I remember. And... Had to had to renew my driver's license up in or well actually in Joliet. Uh, it was sixty dollars for my four year driver's license, not a real ID. Right. And, you know there there are hoops that you have to jump through. Okay, right. I mean big time hoops to get your driver's license. I mean, and everything is at the same time they'll register you to vote. But the other thing, too, is just because you have a voter's card, you also have a, have to have a photo ID when you go in to vote. 
face wow. it in the they said, we are not going to let people uh, try to fraudulently vote, so to speak. So, so Joe, Joe, you're you part know, of... They got to make... You got to really have to prove that you are who you say you are. And that's a good... You, you should. But, Joe, you're part of a growing movement, movement that's growing exponentially. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted oh, yeah. to do... That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show today. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're sitting right now listening on Facebook Live and you're thinking about... Should I stay here in Illinois or should I go somewhere like Tennessee or somewhere close? If you want, especially if you want to stay close to the Midwest, you have every state around us that you have the, the choice to go to and still be close to home and not have to deal with the, the minutia of taxation. You know, it's interesting. That, that yeah. is correct. What's, what's interesting to me. Seven hours away. Joe, what's interesting to me. I, I, by the way, you didn't say exactly where are you east, central or west Tennessee? We are in West Tennessee in a small town called Huntingdon. We are midway. I'm an hour and a half to the east is Nashville. An hour and a half to the west is Memphis. Nice. Beale oh, Street. Ron. Oh, I have, you know, I have, I have, I've never been there. they got a football team. They do. They have a football is, team. Uh, they have barbecue, beer. Well, and, they, especially barbecue. Barbecue, beer. And barbecue. I'm down here in SEC country. Oh, and yeah. What? High school football is king. Yeah, and, and then you and have this uh, little town of Huntington has a heck of a football team. Then you have everything around you that's, I mean, uh, football, great football teams around as well. You can travel within the stones throw away too. That I mean, think about that. You don't have to pay. I'm paying seventy four hundred dollars. I don't even want to know what you're paying, Ron. I'm paying seventy four hundred dollars in taxes because you're in the DG, but oh, we're in the GD, right? Seventy four hundred dollars in taxes. I remember when I when I when I first moved to the area that I'm I'm in now, in, in which was Plainfield, I was paying forty four hundred dollars in taxes. I moved a mile up the road, mind you, the house is a little bit bigger, but seventy four hundred dollars in property taxes that are coming out of the mortgage every single month. Imagine that! Imagine a day where we can change that, Ron. Yeah. How? Wow. Well, I mean, uh, it, it means. A bunch of fundamental things. The first thing is you got to freeze taxes in order to reduce them eventually. And you remember, John, we tried to a yeah. hundred different ways to freeze taxes, and no one had the you know the Cajones. temerity, the <laughs> there it is. moxie, the guts to actually bring such a bill. And you know, look, I think we're number two in the country in property taxes right now. Ouch. We're certain areas we're number one in sales taxes. And as Joe's saying, we nickel and dime mm-hmm. across the spectrum, and that dollar is gone, and there's no efficiency because right now, we haven't talked about the state pension issue directly, Correct. but it's almost a third of the budget yeah. of the general funds. It's over $9 billion annually, and it's still underfunded. Yeah. So you look at Tennessee, which is 97 98% funded, it's less government, better run government, and people get to put money in their pocket and not just dole it out to each and every level of government. So, so Joe, last, last statement. One, one, wait, wait, go ahead, go ahead, buddy. The state of Tennessee actually finished their fiscal year with a budget surplus. Mm. Okay. And you ask yourself, how do they do it? Now the sales tax across the board is nine and three quarter. It's less than what you pay in Cook County. And it's only a penny more a dollar than what I was paying in Will County. But somehow, 
And I also see all types of advertising. They've given over $5 billion to education from the sale of lottery tickets. The boondoggle that was the Illinois lottery with all the money going to education has been a joke. Okay? They're able to fund their schools, repair their roads. You come down here, the roads are nothing like they are in Illinois. And between towns, you have four-lane highways. This place is ripe for expansion. No, man, he's right. I think I think everything that Joe said is right. It was. I mean, think about what's happening with Illinois. You know. Well, what's what's fascinating to me about Joe's situation is it stands in stark contrast. He's been there a month. And he's already realized, yeah, okay, some serious savings. And uh, it's nice to have that type of comparison so that people understand. Because Joe, John, and I were talking. My, I have a bunch of theories about Illinois and Illinoisans, and one of them is that Republicans, in particular, in Springfield, um, are subject to the Stockholm syndrome, and they've taken on some of the you yep. know, attributes of their captors, you know, especially Speaker yes, Madigan and the, and the Democrats in control. Yeah. And there are other ways of doing things. There are other states that are doing things successfully, efficiently, and in a manner that we should be replicating. And these are lessons that are instructive. So if we're going to turn the corner ever in Illinois, and, you know, that's a tough proposition. But if it's if there's any light at the end of the tunnel that isn't an oncoming steamroller, it, it, it needs to be reminded that we should be doing things like they're doing in Tennessee, Arizona, Indiana, Florida, Kentucky. South Carolina, Kentucky, North Carolina, states that are growing and doing things differently. And, and my question is, if other states can do it, why can't Illinois? Leadership. It all comes back to the political machine. That's right. The corruption tax, the preferred vendor list, all those things need to be eliminated. Joe, and hey, how Joe, are they going to be eliminated? Joe. Yeah, you've got to go. Joe, no, yeah. no, listen. I want you to stay on. I want you to stay on because we're going to be we're going to go on to the, uh, the radio side at two o'clock. We're going to have some guests on okay. on the other side that uh, I believe is going to answer some of those questions. But, but this is what I want you to do, Joe. I want you to talk to our listeners and tell them um, why you chose Tennessee. And do you believe that people should continue to stay here in Illinois? I, my thought is if you have an opportunity to get out, you need to do it now because the hammer is really going to fall in the state of Illinois. I, I chose Tennessee because we wanted to be someplace close to get back to family, but I also wanted someplace where I wasn't paying the taxes that I was paying. Yeah. This all started two years ago thanks to a little Facebook post, and it grew from there. Wow. And my dream became a reality, but I've seen the writing on the wall for years. And I had an opportunity, and I took it. Yeah, I took it, and I got out. And I tell people, and I know a lot of people are stuck because their That's true. mortgage, their house isn't worth what they think it's worth, and... They, they can't afford to do it. But if you do have the opportunity to get out, I'd do it as quickly as possible. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. You were an uh, excellent guest. You, I think you made a lot of the points that Ron and I 
uh, we're trying to make, and I believe that the guests on the, in the next hour are going to be making, because there are people like you that Illinois is losing its good people, the people who are producers, the people who, who make Illinois great. And it's unfortunate yes. that I lost a friend, but uh, I have a vacation spot now, though. <laughs> yes, you do. You know, this week the uh, the shed is showing up, so uh, I'll have the loft ready for you. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thanks so much for joining us. You have a good time. Thanks, Joe. You you too. All right. Take care. But but Ron, that's that's Illinois right now in the nutshell. It, it is. But what's interesting? You remember your days in the General Assembly. I tried to get some of my colleagues on the other side to admit that there was a potential, this is back in 11 and 12, that folks would get on their way. They'd leave if we didn't take care of them. Well, it's happening. So guess what happens when you mistreat people? There you go. They defend themselves. Well, coming up in hour number two, we're moving over to the radio. Uh, We're done with Facebook Live. You're listening to Black and Right. I'm with Ron Sandek. We've had a very, very interesting time thus far. Just warming up. Stay tuned. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. He said revolution. Welcome to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony. Charles Love is off today, so I made a phone call and I said, Hey, I know this very bald individual. <laughs> really? <laughs> who, I, who I'm very good friends with, who I know loves to talk. <laughs> Former mayor of Downers Grove. Two for two with the <laughs> shots across the bow. I mean, these are shots fired type of comments. Former the state radio. representative, Ron Sandek. Thanks for joining the Black and Right, Ron. Thrilled to be here, my friend. Oh, we had a very lively hour. If you missed that, that very lively hour on Facebook Live, you have to go back once the show is over, listen to download the podcast, listen to that first hour. I think the second hour is going to be even better, Ron. I think right. I think I think um, I think we have a guest coming up who I think is going to tell I'll shine a little light, tell a little truth um, about the financial situation that Illinois has gotten itself into. You know, you were down there. Mm-hmm. You, you're unique because you've seen it from a, a city perspective, a municipality perspective and a state perspective. And our next guest, Ms. Sheila Weinberg, she's a CPA. She's the founder and CEO of Truth in the County. I love this mission. Listen to this mission. And this is all I, I mean, this is all I need to say about it. Because then you'll understand who she is. Whose mission is to compel governments to produce financial reports that are understandable, reliable, transparent, and correct. Sheila Weinsberg, thank you so much for joining Black and Right today. Hey, thanks for having me on. And, and uh, nice to hear from hear to you again, Ron. Good. Nice to hear from you, Sheila. Now, Sheila, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you right and square, uh, in the in the eyes right right away. You know, uh, you and I talked about when I when I wanted to bring you on, we had a conversation, and one of the questions that you and I came about was, how has Illinois constitutional requirements to balance the state budget caused our current financial? You call it a crisis. It is a crisis. How 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 has that hurt us as a as a state? 
Well, you know, it is a crisis. People you know, just think this is a number. But we right now have things that are affecting um, citizens right now. For example, a few years ago, um, the uh, state police almost ran out of ammunition uh, because the vendor who was uh, supplying it had not been paid by the state for such a long period of time. He said, I can't float your credit anymore. And the state was just lucky to find another vendor who was willing to take the uh, state's credit. And right now, there's a crisis among state employees and retirees who have to pay up front or go in on installment plans to get their health care. Um, those type of things are going on right now. So this isn't a crisis in the future. This is a crisis that's going on right now. Sheila, this is Ron. So you know the, the state of the state's finances as well as anyone, probably better than 99% of the legislators that serve in the General Assembly, there has been, in my estimation, a willful disregard of the balance sheet or a lack of understanding of the finances that and the financial condition of the state. My, at yeah, least, You know, and the citizens have been lulled into a false sense of security with this balanced budget requirement. You know, if you you know, if you're gonna amend the constitution which they're proposing for the progressive income tax, let's go ahead and amend the constitution to fix a balanced budget requirement that allows the state to go into two hundred and thirty three billion dollars of debt while they're theoretically balancing the budget. Now that's impossible to do except for the very loose wording of the balanced budget requirement. Wow. No, no well there's no there's no question. I mean by my estimation, the last time there was actually a balanced budget, it's like 2001, and we haven't come close since. Yeah, and no, and, and, and I hate to tell you, it wasn't balanced then. Um, you know, they might have pretended it was balanced then. But, you know, what, <laughs> Numbers. What they did, the, balance budget, the wording of the balanced budget requirement is, in essence, that your funds available equal your expenditures. Right. Now, in business, normal people would think, oh, it's our revenues minus our expenses. If those are balanced. But no, in the state of Illinois, if there's funds available, equal your expenditures. Now, Ron and John, <laughs> if you borrow money, does that not become available? To oh yeah, huh? yeah. And that's all they so did. So you can balance your budget by by not by borrowing money. Right. Also, you've heard of that six to seven billion dollars of bills that we owe. Yes. Well, again, it's that expenditures, not expenses. So if you're incur, if the state incurs a cost. As long as they don't write the check for it, they don't have to include it in the balanced budget calculation. Wow. Yeah, it's ludicrous, and it makes it defies common sense, and it defies the way families and businesses in Illinois tend to their financial situations. So it's there's always been a huge divide between the, the, the folks in Springfield and how they conduct business and the citizens of Illinois. And that divide, I don't think, is, is has ever been more wide and unknown than right now because as you said a little earlier Sheila the the governor and the democrats in control are pushing the progressive income tax as some kind of savior of the state yeah. and I'd like to hear your thoughts on either why that's acceptable or thoughtful or why it's ludicrous in your estimation well again you know if I'm going to fix the constitution I'm going to fix this balanced budget wording you know that's that's the root of all these causes, not whether we have or don't have enough taxes, whether we're spending or not spending enough. If they truly balance the budget, we wouldn't need 
additional revenue. We wouldn't have to be cutting the budget right now. But because, you know, the other trick they did is they had the employees who, you know, always want more salaries. They're normal. Well, if you offer the employees, the politicians figured out, well, if I offer the employees, you know, additional salaries, their paychecks are going to go up. And then there's that balanced budget requirement that says, you know, if my expenditures go up, then I'm going to have to raise taxes or cut spending elsewhere. I don't want to do one of those. I'll, I won't get reelected. So what they did right, is they figured true. out, oh, well, I can promise them pensions and retiree health care benefits. And those I don't have to include in the current budget. So that's how we got into this pension and retiree health care crisis we're in. Sheila, I, I remember when I first came into the Illinois General Assembly, I, I believe the budget for that year, fiscal year, was, I think it was fiscal year 14, I think it was. Uh, it was $32 billion. When you look at the this last budget that passed, it was 40 some, $42 billion and change. Yeah. And change. I, I, I mean, where is the outrage amongst the voter? When you look at what's happening in Texas, when you look at what's happening in Kentucky, everybody, all these voters are, are, are raising and pulling out their hair for all of these taxes. But you don't see how in Illinois the voter still votes these same individuals in who's doing what the voters in these other states are saying no. How do we fix that, Sheila? Well, again, the governor was able to, when he balanced, when he passed that $40 billion, again, he claimed a balanced budget. That budget was um, more than $3 billion out of balance. Um, wow. But again, because they do this wacko budgeting, you know, let's go ahead and, okay, let's pretend that we, let's let them go ahead. The first step would be, you can balance the budget any stupid way you want to, but let's go ahead and before you pass that, tell us the true deficit. Make pass legislation that would require them to tell us the true ba- but, uh, Sheila, isn't that what the Cogba statement is about? Budget, Ron, isn't that what the Cogba statement normally is about? The releasing of the Cogba, what what the actual um, uh, bills do is going to be. Well, it, but that process has been a little bit hijacked. Correct. Unfortunately, it used to be a neutral arbiter of you know, what was coming into the state, what was going out. I think, unfortunately, this governor has infiltrated or um, somehow persuaded Kafka because the last report talked about how a progressive income tax would fix all of Illinois' ills. They're not supposed to be partisan. They're supposed to just present numbers. So I, I, I'm i yeah, with Sheila. They're, I don't they're thi- including what the governor and the legislature are paying into the pensions. The statutory, re- okay, the, the last budget that was passed, the Democratic leadership said, we are fully funding the pensions. They're fully funding the pensions according to the Edgar Ramp, the statutory payments. Right. Well, guess what? In 2013, the SEC said that schedule was, in essence, a fraudulent schedule, and they made them take out any mention that this, uh, that, that plan would fully fund the pensions. But the legislators are still using it's not in the bond offerings anymore in fact the bond offerings say that the statutory payments do not fully fund the pension because they don't but the political rhetoric says it does fully fund the pension sure wow you listen to sheila weinberg you listen on am 560 the answer sheila tell the people you have 30 seconds to tell the people how to um, read your um, truth and accounting website uh you have um some reports that you have on there tell the people how they can find you yeah, one great thing you can go is go to our Truth and Accounting website, and there's a debt clock for the federal government, but there's also, just go to our statedatalab.org. You can click on Illinois, and it will give you all the details for Illinois. 
And you can also, there's a feature there to create your own chart. So you can compare, wow. um, if unfortunately you're thinking of moving out of the state, yes. um, you could compare two, Illinois two to other states and maybe figure out where you want to move. Sheila to. Weinberg, That's this is Black and Right. Thanks, Sheila. Thank you. This is Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Ron Sandek busting a move up in here. I don't think I've ever seen you dance, Ron. <laughs> Not one of my better skills. <laughs> Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Um, I thought Sheila was great, Ron. I think, oh, yeah. I think she, she was able to, to, to break it down in layman's terms, too. I think sometimes those who are into numbers, they're not able to break it down into layman's terms and where people can actually understand. I think she was able to do that. Yeah, and she's really good at that, translating in plain English some of the things that her group's trying to advocate for the betterment of our state. She's been fighting an uphill battle. Um, yeah. God bless her for continuing to fight the fight because we need lots more Sheila Weinbergs. I mean, that we do. And, you know, earlier today we talked to Joe Cordick, uh, who left Tennessee Illinois. Joe. Tennessee Joe. Tennessee uh, Joe. Ron, if you're ever in Tennessee area, you now, you have to look him up. He will take good care of you. Um, but I, I wanted to bring somebody on who has been writing about this Illinois exodus, who I think saw this a lot sooner than a lot of other people and was writing about it, wasn't afraid to write about it. Uh, I think she did the hashtag, She man. did the hashtag, that's All right. right. Uh, she's known on Twitter as the Statehouse Chick. <laughs> I think she might have changed she that. She changed though. it? I think so. We can ask her. Oh, my goodness. Come on. That was a great and awesome name, man. Maybe she did. Maybe I have that wrong. We'll uh, she's, she's a chief editorial for the op op-ed page. She sometimes fills in here AM560 Answer on the morning show with Dan and Amy. I'm talking about none other than Miss Tribune herself, Kristen McCurry. Welcome to Black and Right. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. And I did, I'm I'm at McQuarrie Kristen now. It's so boring. Oh, Twitter handle. That was an awesome handle. Why? What was the reason for the name change? You know, it was a it was a Twitter handle that was assigned to me at a previous job when everyone was oh. new to Twitter. They were trying to drive traffic, and I just don't. I'm 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 covering so much more than the state house. I thought now, you were just so trying to be just, politically correct. You know, I'm, I don't know. Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm never ever politically correct, especially <laughs> in this city. Well, I don't I don't know if you heard um, Joe Corda, Tennessee Joe, as Ron has um, eloquently nicknamed him, um, uh, but he left. He left Illinois. He left um, this past October. He's a really good friend of mine. He was somebody who, who brought a lot to this state. He did a lot for this state. And guess what? He's no longer here. And you wrote an article about this, the Illinois exodus. And I, I thought you were the only voice out there that was talking about what's happening in Illinois, you know, the flight. And a lot of people, I saw a lot of the comments. People were saying, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. People are not leaving Illinois because of economics. They're leaving Illinois because of this, 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 and the other. Uh, I'm just here to tell you, you were right. Well, thank you. I, I, we definitely got a lot of pushback. We started a series on the editorial board. Um, the, we titled it the Illinois Exodus. And we just were basing it off census numbers. I mean, we have lost every year population for the past five years. We are, um, last year, we lost 45,000 net residents more than any other state. And so this is when you add up births, deaths, people moving here, people moving out, and you hit the total button. We are at the bottom of the list now for the fifth straight year. And I hear from people like your Tennessee buddy every single week. And when we write something like this, 
um, I hear from hundreds of them. So we started tracking them down on the Tribune and interviewing them. And it absolutely has almost everything to do with the, the, the environment here, with taxes, with people just having total loss of hope in state government and just feeling like they're going to lose their shirts on their house. And so that's how we've even thrown the story forward. Now we're digging into property values. I mean, that is the step two of Exodus. A lot of people have left, and now you have people who are staying, but they, they, our housing values have still not recovered from their peak in 2006. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy. That should be, that should be setting off alarm bells with politicians. So, Kristen, I have two-part question. The first part goes to a request that I'd ask that you consider. When your uh, editorial board is going through its questioning of candidates for state house and the state Senate, can you put in a question, and obviously you're quite the wordsmith, phrase it as you see appropriate, to ask pointedly if they believe these candidates have any doubt that there is an Illinois exodus? Because when I was in the General Assembly, my friends on the other side of the aisle denied it flat out, wouldn't use the term, never acknowledged it, and didn't want to deal with it. And so they just pretended like it wasn't happening. I think this is, frankly, a legitimate question to determine if these are legitimate candidates for office to understand the financial state of the state. I think that's a that's a great idea. Yes, I will incorporate that into our questionnaire. And you're right. Um, there, there's total denial, even among my colleagues in the media. I mean, we get pushback from every corner when we when we talk about this because people just want to bury their heads in the sand. Um, but you even have you had Governor Pritzker as a candidate using the word exodus. You have Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Oh, using she's the done word it outright. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so this is the part two. So whether you're doing the endorsement session or just uh, editorializing on the goings-on. When we're talking about the, the state of the property values in Illinois, um, it seems to me some of what similar to what you guys did in demonstrating through numbers the exodus occurring, with respect to property values, I think if, there's a gentleman whose name escapes me right now from Cranes that writes, he's always on Twitter, talking about properties that aren't, that are selling now, but aren't even getting to 2000 two or six values. There are certain seg- sections of north of I-80 that are fl- frankly flatlining and starting to become depressed for on the, from a purchase price perspective, yet property taxes continue ever more up. And to me, that is one of the most seminal issues that are that's aggravating the citizenry in Illinois and maybe fueling the exodus that you write about. So it seems to me that issue is, again, when you're interviewing candidates, has to be a seminal talking point as to if these candidates are qualified to serve, if they can understand what's going on with property values. Absolutely. And so you're talking about Dennis Rodkin. I am. Thank you. I follow him. I mean, he he will post these beautiful pictures in Glenview and Wilmette and homes that have their, their the owner purchased the home 17 or 20 years ago and is selling it for less than that purchase price. The only thing that drives me nuts about that coverage a little bit, and he does some radio interviews too, is there's never part B. This is because of our political environment and the total failure on the, on the part of politicians continually relying on property taxes, 
driving state government into the ground and people not wanting to move here. I mean, that is the next step that I wish that that coverage of cranes would be making every single time that he posts something. Agreed. So, so, so is, is the, I I remember Rauner was banding about a sales tax. Everything's Rauner's fault, by the way, John, you know that, right? Of course. Everything's still Rauner's fault. We, We both know that. But is, is that the route to go? Do we, do we, instead of uh, allowing property taxes to pay for schools, do we go the sales tax route, which Browner was banding about? I mean, I've always thought that there should be a little more freedom among local governments to do revenue sharing between taxing bodies. But that probably would, that would require a whole change in state law. Um, but you have, you have communities, I'll just give you one example, like Orland Park or Schaumburg, where they have a huge sales tax base because of shopping, but that money is, is walled off from the schools. So the schools separately are raising property taxes through the roof, and then you have the city or the village government rebating sales tax revenue. I mean, it doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't. Uh, j- just going off to a different topic a little bit, and thank you for reminding me about Dennis Rodkin. I, I think his writings are fantastic. What I find fascinating is rarely in his pictorials um, does he, he ever say what the property taxes are in these wonderful units that seem to be ever decreasing in value. But what I, what I find fascinating right now is what's happening in the Southlands, uh, the South mm. suburbs from where I am originally from. I'm from Park Forest, and it breaks my heart as to what's going on. Their property values are in, it, literally in the tank. Uh, they, they don't have sales tax uh, bases to, to draw upon, and they're almost upside-down communities. And I'm, I'm wondering when the next recession hits, when the next shoe drops, and that intercept kicks in for more, one or more of these communities other than Harvey, when the folks that represent those communities are going to take responsibility for the situation that's occurred. Because... The folks in charge are the same folks that are still, you know, legislating for them. You got twenty seconds to answer that. Sorry, Kristen. I mean, I I would just say I've been writing about this is that issue with the South Suburbs. The Southland is so close to my heart for some twenty years, and you're right. These are properties that are paying the highest property tax rates and getting the least in return. And who represents them, Ron and John? Who represents these yeah, communities? The folks. Same folks. Yeah. Democrats. Same Democrats. Folks. Democrats. That's Kristen McCurry, Miss Tribune herself. Thank you so much for joining Black Great and Great talking to you, Kristen. You Thank be- you. I'm so happy to be with you both. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. AM 560 The Answer. You're listening to Black and Right. And now, more of Black and Right on AM 560. Here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to AM 560 The Answer. You're listening to Black and Right. I'm joined in the studio by my good friend, Ron Sandek. Uh, I thought Kristen made a, a lot of good points, Ron. I mean, there's just so much there's just so much to deal with and uncover in Illinois that it's, it's so hard to, to think about where to begin. Yeah, but one of the first things people have an obligation to do is acknowledge reality, right? You can't fix a problem until you admit there is a problem. And until Alan's friends on the other side of the aisle, our former friends, acknowledge that there is a collective uh, chagrin, yeah. malaise, fearfulness, anger about wanting to get out and that some people are acting on it, until the Democrats acknowledge that, how do you fix the myriad of problems? Well, Antonio from Chicago tells us he knows how to get that word out. Antonio. Cool. Go ahead, Antonio. Go ahead, Antonio. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. 
All right, good. Well, I, I, I'd say the solution is an easy solution. It's just not going to be done. Why is it that the Republican Party, either across the nation or in Illinois, do not send all this stuff out to the, to the you know, and mail to the people? I mean, how complicated is that? We already know that you're not going to get access to the mainstream media. So mail the stuff out to people. Everything that you're saying. I mean, just, you know, why are people leaving? Why are the taxes going? You know, this, um, especially if you do it, if you can't afford the entire state, just do it in Chicago or Cook County. I mean, it's a matter of, you know, like, like, for example, I know one thing that people are universally against is this whole indoctrination of teaching kids about homosexuality, but they can't even teach them how to read and write. You send it out to people across the, the Cook County or Chicago, and you will get a big change in the voters. But wow. why are not the Republicans not doing it? So, Antonio, I think in campaign season, Republicans are doing it. Yeah. Unfortunately, Republicans are hamstrung a lot of times by ourselves, yeah. but with respect to what messaging goes out. And it's sometimes gets drowned out in the mail with other electioneering. Sometimes, and I know, you know, the the, the gentleman I'm standing next to do a lot of social media mailing, a lot of messaging. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of receptiveness sometimes, and or people are just darn busy and they're not paying attention. And one of the things John and I right. were talking about today was trying to sound the alarm and try and get people yeah. active in their own self-interest right. because they are totally within their rights to be selfish about what the heck is going on, what they're paying, what they're getting for their government, etc. So I certainly appreciate and acknowledge more should be done. Well, Absolutely. And well, that fine gentleman, that, Antonio, Antonio, hold on. That fine gentleman that Ron Sandek speaks of is Alice Skillicorn from the 66th Legislative District who has joined us in studio. Welcome. Yeah, I feel like there's a big target in my back here. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, here is one of the things that's going on. So, I mean, I try to push this stuff out all the time. I mean, we have people that don't like the president, so they're going to vote to raise their property taxes they're going to vote to put people into office that want to have their high school daughters compete in athletic ad- events against intact males for scholarships and then shower with them when they're done. That's what's going on in Springfield. That's what's going on in Washington, D.C. People need to start realizing that the ballot box matters. And I talk about that, but there is. So with the Republican Party as a whole, sometimes they're afraid to say what I just said. Yeah, true. And that is the problem. True. We have we are up against people that want to change our culture. But we also they have we're up against people that want to spend a lot more money and tax a lot more and basically steal the fruits of our labor. So not only do they want to steal our families, they want to steal the fruits of our labor. And that's what we're up against. Unfortunately, there's quite a few Republicans out there that are quiet about it. They want to be nice. I, I can understand being nice. If I'm standing here with a, with a Democrat that's my friend and, if, you know, I, I can I can talk to them, have a conversation on the issues we agree on. We can work together and agree on. But on the big issues, taxes, spending families, education. What do I have in common with those guys? Right. Because they're not working for us. They're not working for our neighborhoods. They're not working for our families. There you go, Antonio. Antonio, thanks so much for joining okay. us. Okay. Wow. You came in here like a fire. Shots fired. I love it. No, it's all good. Yeah. You came in like on a firebrand. Good Lord. I think that's why I wanted him on, though. But But you're right. Though, in some regards, because the Republicans are afraid, because they're afraid to uh, hurt. To, to your point earlier today, what's the to term? Hurt feelings. And, what's the term? Tell me, regressive Stockholm syndrome. Oh, Stockholm syndrome. I forgot. Yeah, some of the Republicans in Springfield have taken on the attributes of their captors and have refused to fight the good fight, even on fundamental issues, yeah. taxing, 
individual rights, freedom principles, things that all Republicans can and should agree on, right? The, the, the state is in a massive financial hole. And what's the first rule when you're in a hole? Keep digging. Stop digging. <laughs> Stop digging. That's not Illinois' way, though. That's not the Illinois no, way. It's the not, Illinois you know, way. It, some of these guys are on a take. Let's just be honest. Some of those guys are on a take, just like the Democrats. But some of them are also just afraid of the power. Uh, what do we have to be afraid of? Mike Madigan? The guy's like five foot five. He weighs 90 pounds. Why are we scared of this guy? You know, we, we, we need to take these people on uh, and, and, and call them out. And, and we just we forget to do that or whatever. I mean, we I mean, yes, we say, oh, yeah. Oh, the, the guy who got arrested downtown. We should get him out of the house. Well, frankly, I want him on the ballot because I want to go. That's their side. Corruption. That's their side with the corrupt people. Corrupt. Their take. I mean, the guy was out there giving bribes out. Well, we're going to deal more of this when we come back from the break. Uh, we're going to talk to Alan Skillacore about uh, he wanted to file what's called a forensic audit. He filed a bill to do a forensic audit in Illinois. It didn't go anywhere. We know that. And we're also going to talk more about the corruption that's come that's been handed down. Uh, I know Ron is really happy to talk about that. Listen to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. We now return to Black and Right on AM560. Here are Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to AM560, The Answer. Wow. Alan, I'm still trying to calm down about... My ears are still ringing over here from... I didn't realize you were going to come out with so much force. But we're joined by... State representative from the 66th Legislative District, along with my good buddy, uh, Ron Sandek, Alan, Alan Skillicorn. Alan, when you first came, I, I believe you filed this bill when you first came into the General Assembly, or it might have been a year or two after. You wanted to do what's called a forensic audit on the state finances or the state budget, or uh, how'd that go? <laughs> and where does that bill lie now? Well, you know, audits are very common in public entities. It's just so you can see the balance sheet and see where the number goes. But a forensic audit's a little bit different. It actually sees where the money's going, what's it being spent on, and it would allow us to see the waste. And this would open this open up our books. It would send this uh, giant spotlight on the corruption, a giant spotlight of where the money's flowing to. And you know, frankly, you know, Illinois, you know, get this, people, Illinois spends a lot more than our neighbors on education. Illinois spends a lot more money on higher education at colleges than our neighbors. Illinois spends the second highest on roads in, in, in her nation. We lead the list on how much money we spend, yet our services are not any better. Our roads are not any better. Everything we do is not any better and could arguably be worse. So we get a very bad return on our investment. Let's just see where the money's going. So you make a great case for why a forensic audit ought to happen. But you know Illinois now, serving in the General Assembly. You know the political realities. There is an audit committee or audit commission, bipartisan um, that really doesn't do much. It meets, it looks at the audits of the various departments. What are the chances you can get one Democrat to sign on to your bill asking for a forensic audit? Well, any bill I file, if it does not please Mike Madigan, it doesn't go to committee, period. Well, that's what he does. That's that's where his power is. I always tell people, yeah. um, they're like, well, he, you know, he's not that powerful. He's five foot four, maybe a buck ten. Yeah, but he is the state party chairman. He runs the money for almost every legislative district. But most importantly, the most important vote is on day one. Yes. It's the ceremonial vote when they make him speaker because he controls the rules. It's two two votes. votes. The rules, his rules, it's Madigan's rules, 
and basically where bills go to good bills go to die. Yeah, and that's and, the rules. And so we know how it works. So I have a I have to share a secretary with two other state representatives. Okay, Mike Madigan, he's got forty staffers that are writing the bills, drafting the bills, researching the stuff, and the same thing with our legislative leader. He's got like twenty staffers. Okay, individual reps don't have any power. They either have to do a deal with their leader right. or Mike Madigan to have the, even the staff just to run the numbers. Uh, so I've been able to do stuff you know, through our staff. Actually, I've been able to use the Senate Republican staff to do stuff. I've also been able to use think tanks to do it on outside, get stuff like that done. But if you want to get something done in the State House, you go to the staff, and they're all, they all basically work for Mike Madigan. And, and I actually have found a lot of times when I want to get a bill called in the committee, I don't go to the chairman of the committee. I go to the staffer in uh, the committee. Sure, and, staffers and, are golden. And, and and they actually look up and see. I mean, you can see this list. Literally, there's a list of bills that are highlighted. Yes. And those are the ones that Madigan says are okay to call. Yeah. And it's not the chair of the committee. You know, the chair of the committee is an important job. Don't ever get me wrong. Yeah. But on the other side, they're told what they can even accept. Oh, yeah. So so uh, Alicia Benford, she ran for state representative um, from in the Bolingbrook area against Natalie Manley. She actually has a. She actually wants to piggyback on a lot of what you're saying about the forensic audit. Alicia, thanks for joining us today. Black and right. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. What was what 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 were the points you wanted to make about the forensic audit? So the point I wanted to make is that most people assume that an audit is going to catch some of the issues and real true financial irregularities, but when you're actually doing an audit you really take a small sample selection based on the risk of the organization. And all you're really attesting to as a CPA is if those financial statements are presented fairly. You're not looking for fraud. You're not looking for anything like that. A forensic audit is where you're really actually taking a deeper look at something. You're talking to people saying, where do you think the risk is of this area? And you are going to then pick that area and find every instance where there's an issue. So that is kind of the difference between just a regular financial audit and a forensic audit. And that's exactly the case. Look at how uh, the the feds caught Al Capone. It wasn't because he was the kingpin. It wasn't because they caught him smuggling. It wasn't because they got him uh, on tape ordering murder. They got him from tax fraud. And it was a situation like that where you looked at the numbers and looked deeply at numbers, not just the balance sheets, but the numbers and where the money went and where the names lined up to. I, I should, I should, yeah. you know, I, I failed to mention that Alicia Benford is my accountant, Benford and Brown. So <laughs> I probably good should disclosure. mention that. I probably should mention that. Nah, it's good. <laughs> but, but, but I, I, and agree. he has to mention that. I can't go right. ahead. Yeah. But th- thanks so much for your um, analysis, uh, Alicia. Thanks so much for joining us on Black and Right. No problem. But she's right, and you're right. But, but I don't think under this administration, uh, as, as far as Madigan's. It'll never happen. I don't think you'll ever see anything like this come out of any rules committee unless it'll be so watered down that it won't do anything uh, substantive. Yeah, it, it also could have a provision basically undoing it. I mean, I've seen bills pass. Hey, the first paragraph is great. And you read the next paragraph. Oh, it just undoes everything in the first paragraph. Oh, yeah. And that happens all the time. Sure. And, and sure. so, that, you know, it's like, you know, if these are people's lives. We should be paying games here. You know, we, we have a, a responsibility to defend our, our neighbors, responsibility to defend our families and our communities, yet we have people that are playing games with it, and, and frankly, it's going to take. Yeah, but the people have to rise up. The revolution. The revolution has to begin to take back Illinois. So let me ask you a question, Alan. 20 seconds. Given 
what's going on right now with this massive federal dragnet. What gets done next week in Springfield, if anything? Well, they're scared. Give you an idea. Last last week we were down there. There wasn't enough Democrats to pass that uh, fingerprint, uh, you know, bill for the Floyd uh, because they were either afraid to come and show their face, or they're afraid that someone was listening on the wire, uh, and that was a good thing. I so mean, maybe the good thing here is that the feds are listening; they are paying attention, and maybe that grinds the Democratic well, steamroller of they bad legislation have to be on their best to a behavior. Uh oh! Uh, imagine, imagine if you knew the feds were listening to your phone call. Rumble in the field sounds like to me. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to AM560 The Answer, Black and Right, with my buddy Ron Sandek and Alice, representative of Skillicorn. We'll be right back. This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. Right. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560 The Answer. I'm joined in studio by my good friend, Ron Sandek and State Representative Alan Skillicorn. Hey, before we go off into the corruption aspect, because I know that's what you look around, he's biting his lip to, to get to it. No, <laughs> I want to talk about, I, we got some great news. Um, December 7th, we go back to two hours of full radio time. No more preemption and all that, and uh, especially if North, Northern doesn't make any you know playoff games or anything. I don't think that's, that's going to happen, right? Um, so we go, back to two, <laughs> we go back to two hours on the radio from one to three. Yay! So, Ron, you made a very interesting point in the break about this whole corruption thing. Why don't you talk to the listeners about what you just said? So, two things. One, um, I, I've been saying to friends and family for a while that the progressive tax ought to be renamed by Republicans as the corruption tax. I think the progressives, progressive policy, and the Dems that run Springfield have, by and large, corrupted the state, literally and figuratively, the finances are in shambles because of it, and now this progressive, i.e. fair tax, as the Dems like to call it, is what's supposedly going to fix things. A, it won't, but B, it's really a corruption tax. And on that front, to me, there are three tranches of what this investigation is. There's the ComEd side, there's the construction uh, capital bill side, and then there's the gam- gambling bill side. And we're seeing indictments, and we're seeing... Uh, subpoenas, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing tons of media attention, particularly WBEZ and their investigative group, which I think deserve mad props for following it and running it down. But we're going to see in the next three weeks to two months a whole bunch of more subpoenas and a whole bunch of more indictments, in my estimation. Will this hit Mike Madigan? Well, that's where they're going. That's what they want. They're sniffing. I mean, Mike Madigan has spent almost a million dollars in attorney fees this year. You don't do that because you smell rosy clean. He's Teflon, though. Does it hit him? The question is, so you know this from your mm-hmm. past uh, police and investigation days. You get the low-hanging fruit. Yes. And, the, and look, someone's going to talk because they don't want to go to prison. And the first person that talks gets the best deal, and it starts going down the line. Because if they already got the information, they don't need the next two or three people. So they're going at the low-hanging fruit, waiting for those folks to talk. And they're going to go where the evidence follows. But there's no question. When Mike Madigan says, I am not a target, he's not wrong. He is the, the target. target. There's no doubt about it. Well, somebody's already talked because the investigation has begun. And, and it, But, John, it's wires. gone off in 15 different ways. And, you know, you know, investigators go where the evidence tells them Correct. to go. They follow it. But, as Alan said, it sure looks like Madigan is the person they're seeking to bring down. Alan? Yeah, Absolutely. But, you know, here's the other thing. 
We are seeing in the first uh, couple years of the Trump administration's Justice Department whew, more investigations, yeah. subpoenas, and work than we've seen in 30 years it's true. previously. It's true. Uh, there, is a, there is a laser-like focus here. Can Mike Madigan uh, And that's no coincidence. It? There's no coincidence there. Um, yeah. That wasn't happening under the Obra- uh, no. Obama administration. The, the, there weren't many indictments, the indictments out of the U.S. Attorney's Office. But now, in a short period of time... Lightning seems to be striking quite a bit. Well, Ron, you know, I want to thank you for joining me. It's been a ball, man. It's been a, it's been a blast. Yeah, we had fun. Representative, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, you, you want to talk about what you got coming up? You got a race coming up or anything like that? Yeah, I, actually, I, I do have a race, but uh, it should be uh, something that, uh, you know, when I go door to door, people are, I mean, are asking for my sign and stuff. So follow me, www.allenskillicorn.com. Same thing, look me up on Facebook, Twitter. The Pulpit? The Pulpit, man. All things Illinois. Um, it's easily found on nine platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all of them. And you Thank can, you, brother. You're welcome. You can find me at J. Anthony Speaks on Facebook, Twitter, and Black and Right on Facebook as well. It's been an awesome blast. Charles Love should be back next week. Yeah, he better. He better. Goodbye. See ya.